Welcome to the Fireside Giants podcast by Empire Sports Media. How's it going, Giants fans? Welcome back to Fireside Giants with your boys, Alex and Anthony. Today, we're talking about the status of the New York Giants rebuild currently, where we're at, how we're feeling, coming off the tie. I know it sucks, but we are out playing expectations, guys. Like, we're out kicking our coverage, some would say, um, this year. And I think that Brian Dable, Joe Shane have put their best foot forward. And looking at the most recent draft class, we're getting a ridiculous amount of production from these rookies. I know Darian Beavers, Mark, Marcus McCaffin, both have torn ACLs, you know, unpredictable. Did not thought that was going to happen. Beavers probably would be starting right now. But Kayvon Thibodeau looks like a bona fide star. I know a lot of people are kind of like harping on the lack of sacks, but I don't look at that. I'm looking at the quarterback hits, the pressures, the impact he's having. And he had a sack um, in the time. No, he was unblocked. But that's what happens when you have good schemes, you know. Wink Martindale over overpowering offensive lines with numbers. Uh, oftentimes that creates voids in the offensive line. Rather, um, it be a, a free rusher. You know, they don't have a guy uh, able to block that guy. They have a tight end chipping Kayvon Thibodeau trying to block him one on one. It's just unsustainable. And obviously, uh, it, it benefits guys like Kayvon. And I think this scheme fits in really nicely. And look at Evan Neal, forty-one pass blocking snaps, not a single pressure to his name. He looked awesome. I think Anthony just wrote a great article about that, actually. So, you know, he knows a little bit about what Evan Neal put together on the film, on the field against Washington. But today we want to talk about the importance of how Joe Shane and Brian Dable have put together um, some really good contracts, cost control contracts at key positions. A, a couple of leftovers from Dave Gettleman, a uh, little, little parting gifts, if you will. Uh, but Anthony, before we dive into kind of the state of this rebuild right now, we're going into week 14 against a really, really dangerous Eagles team. Um, you know, how are we feeling and, you know, how are we feeling for the future ultimately? Well, for the future, I'm feeling a lot better than I am for the current present time. Right now, of course, the Giants coming off of a few losses, a tie, a disappointing performance in that tie. So kind of losing a little bit of hope here for the Giants as we try to make that first playoff berth since 2016. It seems like things are slowly starting to slip away. But when you look ahead to the future, the Giants have a really bright one ahead of them. I mean, Joe Shane and Brian Dable have stepped in here and made an, an amazing impact in their first year with this regime. Of course, the 6-1 and one start a really great start to the season starting to slow down here but just that start that they got off to really bought over the fans and proved that this is a different regime than the ones that we've seen in previous years because those guys the Pat Shermers of the world the Ben McAdoo's of the world the Joe Judges of the world clearly were not a good fit for the culture of New York but Brian Dable has really come in here and bought over the fans in a way that feels genuine and feels truthful and going forward seeing how this roster is currently set up and how bright the future is for the roster building I have a lot of confidence in Joe Shane and what he's going to be able to accomplish one of the things that we mentioned before this season when he took over the job in the offseason was he is great at finding mid-round tight ends and he went ahead and found one you know that was like a checklist the number one thing like Giants need a tight end let's see if he can find one in the middle rounds boom does it Daniel Bellinger is a stud in his rookie season and we've seen other moves that were clear and obvious like he needed to hit on immediately and he has so I love what Joe Shane's done so far and again as you mentioned Alex you take a look at this roster they're in a great shape for a rebuild and the next two to three years could get really exciting as New York Giants fans it could I mean look I didn't expect to be competing for a playoff berth uh, at this point in the year you know we have seven wins of course we lost three in a row and this team is just kind of marred by injuries but I'll tell you what let's focus on the positives right now because there's a lot of them I know the losses and the ties and the those kind of take over our mind in terms of you know in-season success 
but this is never this was never supposed to be a, a championship caliber team right now. This was never supposed to be a playoff caliber team. We were never supposed to be here. You know, nobody expected this. I mean, some people optimistically probably were like, yeah, we can get to 10, 11, 12 wins, whatever. But like that was always like, uh, you know, you're kind of pushing the needle, you're kind of pushing a little far, um, especially with all the, the lack of talent, the, the roster over overhaul and the lack of money and, and, and capital we had to spend. We had the draft picks. And like I said before, we got a lot of value out of those rookies. But the most important thing that we have going for us right now is cost-controlled contracts at important premium positions, right? So let me give you some numbers that should get you guys excited for the future, right? Next year, our two dynamic young pass rushers in Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari, and by the way, both of those guys look absolutely fantastic in Sunday's game. They are set to earn less than $10 million combined next year, guys. Less than $10 million. I, if, if Kayvon Thibodeau was going to free agency right now, right now I mean, of course, he's young, but he'd be getting a big a big payday. Aziz Ojolari, same thing. These guys are worth a lot more than that, in my opinion. You may disagree, but I, I feel that way. Um, looking at the offensive tackle position, Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal are set to count less than $16 million combined next year, okay? Financially, we are in a very, very good place, not because of the money we have next year, but because of the money we have in 2024. And with that being said, you're able to kind of sign contracts that you can, you know, put the majority of that cap hit on the 2024 season. So you have a lot of flexibility, a lot of leeway looking into the future. The only contracts that are really bogging the Giants down are Kenny Galladay and Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams, obviously, is set to earn, I think, 18 mil. I think that that got increased a little bit because they restructured his deal. Kenny Galladay, they're trying desperately not to restructure that contract uh, because he's going to be cut. They're going to save about 6.2 million, I believe. Um, on the books, you know, that's if he's a pre June 1st cut, if they, if they post June 1st cut him, I think they get around 12, 10, $12 million savings. So, you know, we'll see how they kind of go about that. That contract obviously is an albatross. It's really annoying. We have to deal with it some way. No one's trading for him. He's lost a step. He's not trying it, like whatever it might be. No one's going to trade for him right now. There's just, it's no way. So we're going to have to release him and kind of just eat the money. And, and that's just the way it is. Uh, but having, Premium positions like both of your tackle spots, both of your outside linebacker, edge rusher spots locked up by legitimate talents. Andrew Thomas is going to be a Pro Bowl player this year, right? Maybe, if not all pro, you know, he's given up sacks in back-to-back games, but against two elite offensive lines, he was sick against Dallas. Uh, maybe he was still even dealing with a little bit against Washington. You know, he's still a tremendous young player, um, only going into his fourth season next year. His, his fifth-year option projects to be around $15 million, which is still a very cheap price point for him. So you have him for next year and then the year after that before you actually have him on the extension, which probably will be $20-plus million, $18-plus million, somewhere in that realm. Um, so we'll see kind of what they do with that. But, you know, Evan Neal, I think he's making, what, like $5.5 million next season, really, really cheap. And you have him for five years, including this season. So four additional years after this one. And then you have Josh Azudu at left guard, who they project to be a starter moving forward. You have Nick Gates, who's making next to nothing, $2 million, I think, a season, something like that. And he actually looked really good at center against Dallas. Obviously, left guard last week wasn't as good. And then Mark Lewinsky, a little bit of a, uh, you know, kind of question mark, did not look good against Washington, give up two sacks and three total pressures. Um, but right now, you're really looking at four premium positions locked up financially on very, very, very healthy contracts and situations. The biggest, the biggest like concern or really question mark right now is running back in, in quarterback. I am not willing to pay Saquon more than 12 million a year. A lot of people aren't even willing to pay him 12 million. A lot of people are. I think that if they were to sign into a contract at 12 mil, I could be like, okay, you know, I can live with that. That's Dalvin Cook money, Nick Chubb money. I could live with that. I can't live with Christian McCaffrey money. I can't live with that. What we're seeing right now is that 
you know, the Giants can't keep force-feeding Saquon. They need a passing game. Saquon's an incredible player, but the, he can't do the, the entire offense. He can't be the whole offense. Um, he's not like a full 100% workhorse. They need a passing game to complement him. Um, so, you know, overpaying him, I don't think it's a sustainable practice. Do I love Saquon? Yeah, great culture guy. He's a great dude all around. Great player. I would love to have him here for the for, with Big Blue for the foreseeable future at the right price. Um, but with that being said, Daniel Jones, a whole nother discussion. Anthony, how important do you think it is that we have some of those premium spots locked up on pretty reasonable deals right now? And the flexibility gives us in the future to continue spending. Can you add it, continue adding pieces without feeling like we have to break the bank? Well, I think it's huge because when you look at the way the NFL rosters are, rosters are constructed, the most expensive positions right now are edge rusher, offensive tackle, and quarterback. And the Giants have some flexibility at quarterback. They have the ability to franchise tag Daniel Jones if they want to give him one more year, which is basically just one year of eating a salary. They're not locked in long-term to any quarterback, and they even still have the option if they want to go out there and find a new quarterback in the offseason, which I know is a conversation that's starting to stir up as the Giants start losing in recent weeks. That always happens. Giants lose some games. Quarterback gets called into question. We'll see how Daniel Jones is able to respond, but that is going to be a conversation this offseason. But thankfully, the Giants do have the flexibility at that position to where if they choose to make some sort of big splash move whether that be through the free agency trade or the draft they have the flexibility to do so now offensive tackle and edge rusher those are positions that are just booming by the year the salaries are increasing every single year you mentioned that it's 16 million for evan neal and andrew thomas combined two stalwarts offensive tackles that the Giants are going to build around over the next few years. If Andrew Thomas were to hit the open market right now, he's making way more than $16 million himself. So it's a bargain right there. And the Giants have the ability to keep him in-house and extend him in the next couple of years while also paying Evan Neal a very low wage while he plays out his rookie salary. So the Giants are not going to be overspending at that position for some time, which is huge. They're going to be getting bargain deals at that offensive tackle spot, which in recent years has become one of the most expensive positions in football. Actually, historically, it's always been one of the most expensive. But as those TV deals start to roll in for the NFL, that position is only going to get more and more expensive. And then edge rusher as well. We've seen what a dynamic young edge rusher can do for a defense. Take a look at Micah Parsons. Take a look at Nick, Joey Bosa, those guys over there uh they have done tremendous things in the defenses that they played for and have really revitalized that position and re-emphasized how important it is for an NFL defense. And now you have two dynamic young pass rushers on the New York Giants, which is kind of giving me flashes of 2007 to 8, 2011 to 12, when the Giants just had a team of young, dynamic pass rushers with Justin Tuck, Osu Minura, Michael Strahan was the veteran for the 2008 Super Bowl. It gets a little bit like that when you're looking at the way this team is getting constructed, and that's where I get really excited because Aziz Ojolari, super dynamic. I love what he brings to the field. He's a great pass rusher. He has so much bend around the edge, and he's got a couple of really nice pass rushing moves. Obviously, seeing the way that he performed this past week, when you take a look at how the Giants' defense has played all season long, they were missing Aziz Ojolari. That guy was an instant difference maker, a major impact in his first whiff of the NFL field in weeks. Man, we were missing him out on the field. If he was out there for some of those games that we lost, they could have turned into wins, honestly, because they were close games anyway. And then Kayvon Thibodeau really coming into his own in recent weeks, hitting his stride and just playing the best football of his life right now. A clutch sack down at the end of that game uh, in overtime. Man, I have no idea how Tyler Heineke 
held on to that ball. But if that's a fumble in the end zone, we know that it's a it's a totally different ball game. The Giants end up winning that game, but it was a real clutch play by Kayvon Thibodeau. And he had plenty of pressures throughout that game. And even looking back at last week versus Dallas, a bunch of pressures led the team in pressures. He's really coming into his own and starting to look like a total different beast for the Giants defense. So you just look at that. That's his rookie season. That's step one. He's got year two, three, four on this rookie deal, and he's only going to grow in this position that the Giants are playing him in. So Kayvon Thibodeau, Aziz Ojolari, both young on those rookie contracts. If both of those guys were free agents right now, whatever salaries they'd be gaining on the open market is absolutely more than what the Giants are paying them on these rookie deals. Aziz Ojolari falling into the second round last year was a miracle for the Giants to get a pass rusher that they can build around for years and years who's that talented on that cheap of a deal, a second round deal. That's a blessing. And the Giants are going to make Good use of that blessing, developing these young pass rushers on the edge and continuing to build the talent around them and allocating that money that they would be spending at the position to other important positions of need. So I love that the way I love the way that the Giants are constructing this roster right now. They're really cheap at very expensive positions. And that is a formula for building a team to success. It is. Now, here's a question for you, because I feel as though we kind of are at a crossroads where I actually feel like I have no idea what they're going to do with Daniel Jones. I feel like the scheme, the offense, they, they're not really using him to the maximum. They're not using his legs anymore. Like they were earlier in the year. I really just, I'm having a hard time figuring out what their strategy is with DJ. You can't, if you sign him to a one-year contract and you draft a quarterback, he knows he's a bridge, right? He know if you go out and you draft Anthony Richardson and you sign DJ to what you on your team, you know he's a bridge, right? Like he has to know that. If you go out and you don't draft a quarterback and you sign DJ to a one-year deal, he knows he has a, a chance to leverage that into a multi-year contract. But I don't think a one-year deal is going to get it done. I don't think that's worth it. If if their Giants are going to go with Daniel Jones, it's going to be a multi-year contract. Um, in my opinion, and I think they would probably push some of that money to the second year to reduce, and that way they could sign him some receiving help or draft a receiver. Um, you know, there's a lot of talent, obviously, going to be in this upcoming draft. I think some one big guy just committed. I think it was Jackson Smith and Jiba. He just committed to the NFL draft. Obviously, he's been injured, but he's a guy the Giants could definitely be looking at in the 20s range. So, you know, I wonder where they go with the draft pick. You know, they needed more interior offensive linemen. They need receivers. And they have money to spend. They want to retain DJ. They want to retain Saquon Barkley. And right now, I'd, I'm probably leaning towards they're going to keep DJ. But my question for you is, do you think if they do do that, um, a multi-year deal is the way to go? I think that's an interesting question, and it really depends on how much money Daniel Jones is asking for at the end of the day. If you're looking into a multi-year deal for Daniel Jones, and yeah, there are quarterbacks in this upcoming draft class that might entice the Giants. Anthony Richardson is another one that just declared today. So when you're talking about the quarterback position, it's a lot of unknowns, and I think that the Giants have to wait to make a decision on that until deep into the offseason. Like you're talking about right before free agency kicks off, and you also might be talking about the Giants placing the franchise tag on him with the ability to rescind that tag during free agency and using it as a negotiating tool, saying if we can't find the space in the draft or get that draft capital that we need to find that quarterback or we can't find the guy on the open market that we like, sure, we'll inevitably reluctantly pay you on the franchise tag to stay here for another year. But I don't know if Daniel Jones has really proven himself as a long-term solution. I don't think that he deserves a long-term contract just yet. Let's see how he finishes out the season, though, because if he goes on a tear here and leaves the Giants at their first playoff row since 2016, it's going to change a lot of people's minds. 
But right now, evidently, we haven't seen enough from Daniel Jones in my eyes to really pay him that bag for multiple years. So I think what the Giants are going to do is take their time, survey their options, watch the film on Jones at the end of the year and decide, do we feel limited by this quarterback or can we reach a Super Bowl with him? And that's going to be the deciding factor because, yeah, they might feel Daniel Jones is good enough to win games, but do they feel he's good enough to build a dynasty, good enough to win a Super Bowl for the Giants? That might be the question. And, and that's where you see teams like with the Kansas City Chiefs years ago when they went with Patrick Mahomes. They were a playoff team. They had Alex Smith, and he was a good quarterback, but they felt like he wasn't a quarterback that was going to help them build a Super Bowl winning team or a dynasty. So they swung for the fences on Patrick Mahomes. And you know what happens? If Patrick Mahomes wasn't good in practice, didn't look like a good player, they just keep Alex Smith and probably end up trading Patrick Mahomes. But evidently, Patrick Mahomes is a superstar and the best player in the NFL. So they really made the right decision there. It was a bold decision, a risky decision if it didn't pan out and they traded away Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes didn't end up being good. But we all know how that story wrote itself. Same thing that the Baltimore. Ravens did with Lamar Jackson. Not that Joe Flacco was really that good at that point in his career, but he was also serviceable until he got injured and Lamar Jackson replaced him. So this is a strategy that we're seeing a lot of NFL teams take, even the Buffalo Bills. We know how that story wrote, and Joe Shane was instrumental in that process. So he's familiar with how to find that quarterback, take that chance on a quarterback, and find the guys to develop that quarterback to build a really solid playoff caliber NFL team. So that's what the Giants are going to be looking to do this offseason, in my opinion. If they decide Daniel Jones can be that guy that you can build your franchise around, they'll go ahead and probably give him that short leash and allow him to continue to attempt to prove himself. But if they feel like taking that chance, I'm going to believe in the Giants if they go for it. Because if Joe Shane decides to take a chance on a quarterback, he's already got a track record doing it. And I love the idea of swinging for the fences and basically putting all your chips in the center of the table and saying, I'm, I'm risking everything. I'm going for it. And I'd like to see the Giants actually explore that option this offseason if the Giants really don't have that successful ending to the season that we're hoping for. But again, Daniel Jones has played some pretty good football this year. A couple missed throws cost them the game uh, this past week and ended in a tie. But if you look at how the Giants are playing offensively, they either look like they don't trust the playmakers around Daniel Jones or they don't trust Daniel Jones. But it's kind of hard to decipher which one or which possibility that is without being in that room and being in that coaching staff. But we know that the Giants are not running the offense they want to be running. So it'll be interesting to see, do they acquire more talent around Jones and then move their offense to accommodate that and then build the offense they want to with Jones? Or do they move Jones out of here, find the new quarterback and build the offense around that? That'll reveal to us what they felt about this team and how they felt about the personnel once we see what they do in the offseason. But I'm really excited to see what they do. And again, this flexibility at the quarterback position is a blessing for the Giants, the same way as Izo Jolari was, as I mentioned earlier. This is huge for the Giants to have that sort of flexibility to not be tying up a bunch of money to the quarterback position because they have a lot of room to play and a lot of different possibilities and scenarios that could play out this offseason. Yeah, so I'm going to throw two things into the mix. Well, the first one being the reason I think they didn't commit fully to like, you know, going aggressive in this past game was that they were terrified of Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne because that interior Giants offensive line was garbage. Nick Gates got destroyed. Mark Lewinsky looked a fucking turnstile. Um, excuse my language, but he really, I just got, I was so mad watching him play the first half of that game. Um, I was like, just, I mean, come on, like seriously, you, you can't, you can't, he was in the spin cycle half the game. So I'll tell you what, the, the most important argument for keeping Daniel Jones is, is this, right? And it actually correlates directly with the arguments we've been presenting in terms of 
the money situation. The Giants have these guys, these younger guys locked up on cost control contracts. But Andrew Thomas is going to get paid soon, right? Probably next year he gets a contract extension. You got Dexter Lawrence to worry about too, contract extension. Um, if you go and you draft a quarterback, because you're not going to get one of the top two guys, you know, unless you're you're selling the farm for someone, which I don't think they're going to do. You're you're committing a lot of hope, a lot of hope toward a rookie quarterback to succeed, right? You might end up wasting two years of those premium positions for Ojolari, for Thibodeau, for AHT, for Evan Neal. You may end up wasting those those guys, and 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 then suddenly it's their time to get paid, and you're strapped again. You know what I mean? If you sign Daniel Jones now, you can exercise that window of those cheaper contracts at those core positions. So that's the argument I'd say like makes the most sense. And also the growth that we've seen from him has like obviously been pretty impressive. I'd say like his pocket presence is really good so far. I'd say he's taken big steps in terms of not turning the ball over. I know he had that fumble, but in terms of interceptions, he got away with one at the end of the game, trying to be a little bit over aggressive, but he's been pretty clean with the football for the most part. I've been pretty happy with that. I'd like to see better red zone efficiency, but that's only because the Giants don't get into the red zone very often where you don't see as much opportunity. And the weapons he has when, once they get there are are slim pickings. You know, Isaiah Hodgins, honestly, might be turning into one of our more uh, prominent threats in the red zone. That route he ran, that little, uh, I don't even remember what it was. It was like a little zig route, whatever it was. A pivot route was filthy. Um, awesome. So, like, I love Isaiah Hodgins. I think he's an asset. Darius Slayton, got to catch some of those passes. You, you, that's, that's, the, that's the Slayton game, though. He'll make a couple of big ones, and then he'll drop the most important one. You know what I mean? So it is it is what it is with Slayton, but he's a, he's an asset. I would say he's still a net positive to this team uh, despite those drops. Uh, but, you know, I'm excited. This is a team that has a, a pretty good situation, pretty good grasp on what the future is going to be. I think it's positive. I think it's it's going to be successful. I think we have the coaches in place. I don't think Wake Martindale is going anywhere. I know for a fact Mike Kafka isn't going anywhere after the past couple of games. So I think we retain the majority of these of these players, that rather these coaches. I mean, Wink might get opportunities for a head coach. I mean, the defense is definitely playing better than than uh, their talent would suggest. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of injuries right now, and they're making the most of it. They're getting, I mean, by the way, most underrated coach on this entire staff, not even close, Andre Patterson. Defensive line coach, Dexter Lawrence, has turned into a mediocre player into an all-pro in one offseason. Andre Patterson, absolute freaking monster. He is the most underrated coach on this roster, one of the most underrated coaches in this league. He deserves that praise. Um, so big credit to Andre Patterson. Really, really love what he's doing. Obviously, all these guys are, are killing it. So I'm excited to see what happens. But guys, I'd love to hear your perspectives in the YouTube comments. This is a very, very big offseason coming up for us. Hopefully, we can make the playoffs, make a push, you know, showcase that success, showcase what we can do. Um, that's the best case scenario. You know, winning is more important. Establishing a winning culture is more important than losing and getting a better draft pick. The draft is a crapshoot anyway, guys. You never know what you're going to get. Look at Eli Apple. Look at, you know, I mean, Evan Ingram, maybe he's gone. You know, look at uh, Eric Flowers. Uh, look at Kadarius Tony. That's the most recent one, right? Block your ears, Anthony. The guy's hamstring is broken once again. And the Chiefs fans are now realizing that we were right after all. So it's kind of funny. But end of the day, there's a lot of to be excited about with this team. Always happy to hear what you have to say. Perspectives, opinions below in the YouTube comments. Um, as always, have a fantastic rest of your day. Have a fantastic week. Like, subscribe, and we'll catch you guys on the next Fireside Giants episode.